Welcome, everybody, to another live recording of Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. I've just mentioned it, but yes, this is a podcast which you can subscribe to. We will give you the details of that at the end of this recording. We absolutely welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the travel industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the service ability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And I am Anne, and I'm a consultant in the travel and airline industry, happy to help you with anything related to retailing, one order NDC and distribution. And I also work as an instructor with both IATA and Aeroclass. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. Well, thank you both. So, Anne, it's incredible that Fly Dubai can fit that business suite into a narrow-body aircraft as narrow as the 737, right? It looks good, though. What do you think? Would you go on it? Oh, yes, I, I would. And it looks very good. And actually, you know, it's very interesting and in how we see the low-cost carriers. Uh, I, I hate to call them that. I mean, maybe we should call them low-cost operations or something. But they're sort of more morphing into becoming, everyone's becoming everything, right? Network carriers are becoming low-cost airlines and low-cost are becoming, you know, it's all very interesting, isn't it? Space companies are becoming commercial airliners. You never know what's going to happen next. Um, but yeah, mm. look, I, I think it's very, very um, innovative of them to be able to fit that in and it looks like an amazing product. So um, It does, yeah, it does. There we go. I like the fact that the picture is taken without the economy cabin in there, I think, and <laughs> It's like it's like oh yeah, it looks so big and spacious, but meanwhile half the plane is missing. Yes. I'd like to see it once it's all in place. Yeah, I, I do think it's quite packed in there, absolutely, but uh, it still looks good. So kudos to them. And then the other bit of news was from Etihad and Emirates uh, announcing a further or fresh collaboration, making it a bit easier for people flying into and out of the UAE to sort of mix and match. You fly into Abu Dhabi, out of Dubai, those kind of things. It was hard to spot massive innovation in that announcement, and but do you think it is just in response to what else is coming out of that region and they have to you know juice it up a bit now and and play together i found it very interesting i, I mean i couldn't help but there were lots of comments saying will there be a merger of the two airlines i have no idea but yeah maybe you know it, it must be ramping up as a response to what's happening in saudi i assume and of course that type of flexibility is good i've often wondered about that's something that i would like to do myself to fly in and you know in on, into yep. abu dhabi and out yep. of dubai for example any comments on that story, Ash? No, I think this is practical, right? I, I know a lot of people who fly in and out, like Anne just mentioned, and I think that this is only a, the next step to the evolution of these two airlines. So I think this is a smart move by them, and I think they're taking the right steps. Yeah, there was a brilliant comment by our friend Samit, who was just saying, when do they merge finally? I think Mohit has got a comment on this story. A word that I can give for the fly Dubai story was, you know, we are in a hybrid world after all, right? Hybrid working, hybrid aircraft, uh, and also so as you rightly mentioned, then maybe who knows, you know, we are commercializing space travel also. Coming to this Etihad and Emirates story, I think it's a very forward-looking partnership. I think both Emirates and Etihad, they're not a part of any of the three alliances, but increasingly post-pandemic, we see such collaborations, you know, happening where 
where airline companies are increasingly realizing you know if they create some value for the customer then you know it benefits everybody involved so i think so, it's a it's a good partnership for the future so none of you think this is just them sort of preempting what might be stronger competition from that region from across the road from saudi um, yeah i did oh yeah. okay. I, okay i think yes i think it's uh, it's probably a move to sort of mitigate that somehow yeah okay but a good example of where more competition creates more benefits for the customer right right I think Mohit just coined a new phrase, hybrid airline. I think that's the word we were looking for, Anne. You said low cost and trying to figure out the right naming, right? That could be the name. Moving on, not related to ATM, but still with Etihad. Their CEO made a, a speech recently where he talked about a focus on three core markets that they would like to focus on. They could only announce one at the time, so they must be still thinking what the other two are, but they talked about India as one of their key focus markets. And there was a comment and actually a post by Billy Bolter who was questioning that quite severely, saying it would be surprising to him if the Indian government would allow that sort of extra capacity and slots for a foreign carrier when they are now so keen on exporting and growing their domestic airlines. And did you agree with what Billy said there? I also find it a bit extraordinary that you, I mean, it was like Willie said, uh, uh, Willie said, I mean, he said, uh, I would sort of keep tabs on this announce much later because that's that it is going to be challenging you've never you, you have one of the largest expansions in known in aviation history right happening in india and um probably going to be quite hard you know i think that this is probably a smart move and in this past week there was an article where the indian domestic market hit almost half a million travelers in one single day and that hasn't never happened in the history of, of that country so there's definitely a huge demand coming and so it makes all the sense in the world yes but the counter argument Ash, is that they will do everything to protect and give that growth to the local carriers and billy was mm. saying that um, etihad will have a hard time getting a piece of that pie like any country right they want to make sure that their airlines in or the companies in their country are going to uh, be able to make first moves which is a very natural thing to do and i think that that's only a matter of time before the market opens itself up to other airlines. So for now, it might be that way, but I think that's important for the uh, Indian uh, airlines to uh, to get a footing, um, yeah. which I think is going to help everybody at the end. There was some other news out of India. Um, I think you might um, have some comments on this one for us, Mohit. It's the news about an, an airline that uh, went down, right? Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. You know, one of uh, one more airline biting the dust here in Indian aviation market. It, unfortunately, it was go first this time, and uh, they are going on the way through bankruptcy. Unfortunately, and they're blaming uh, you know the lack of uh, engines uh, from PNW. So that's that's what's happening. That was a fascinating story. The fact that they've blamed Pratt and Whitney. Yes, because it seems Ash in your side of the world's uh, no no sorry I lied. It's uh, Lufthansa, right? And it also cited uh, engine supply problems with Bretton and Whitney. Mm. Of their yes, they have. Yeah. That's an extraordinary story, isn't it? I mean, there's there's definitely, like I should say, a story behind the story here, mm. don't you think? Yeah, that was, that was really, really su- surprising. 
My next post was about the news that at Qantas, when uh, Alan Joyce retires later this year, that seat will be taken over by Vanessa Hudson, who's their current chief financial officer. And so Qantas will have a woman at the lead. Well received all rounds. And and I suppose really good news as well for women in aviation. Absolutely. I mean, we, we need to see more women in, in leading positions. And also, I think actually it's it's even more important that we see more in middle ma- management. But, but of course, you know, and we expect her to be a, a brilliant CEO, right? Yes. That doesn't have so much to do with, with, with gender, I must say. No. I mean, uh, she's got um, a big role to fill there. Alan Joyce, of course, quite mm. controversial. Um, not always the most popular <laughs> person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still, a uh, big, big organization to lead there. Ash, did you pick up on that story? I did. And, you know, she's been around with Qantas, I think, for almost 30 years now. You know, this has something to do with the IATA's 25 by 2025 Advancing Gender Balance uh, Initiative, right? Of which Qantas, by the way, is a member. You got to walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah. And, and sadly, that doesn't happen too often. There are lots of people that talk the talk, but don't really walk it, right? Minimum marketable product, right? Hand, as we sort of spoke about. <laughs> by the way, that was really funny from last week when I listened to that. And I came up with a new one, minimal sellable product, because, yes. you know, marketing doesn't sell anything. So it ultimately comes down to the salesperson to sell a product that's below yes. market value. So not that you or I have any experience in that world. Some other people no, have. no, never. We never sell anything. That's not worth. <laughs> but I love that. I really like that. And um, wait, I was still, I was still coming up with this image. I wanted to do an image of you holding up this big placard that says NDC announcement season is now officially open. If you I have that, to do that. Yes, if oh, you listen to that, that I, I, I listened to it today. That podcast is now available at businesstravel360.com from uh, last week. It's pretty good. <laughs> So my next story moved on. Uh, Clive Ratton from the BTA posted about this, that the USA is finally going to not require inbound travelers to be vaccinated against COVID-19 anymore. As of the 12th of May, the pandemic is officially over. Right, Ash? It's kind of been over, but, you know, it's one of those uh, delayed reactions by the U.S. But I think that this was an eventuality. I mean, they eliminated a few things last year. This yes. is kind of closing the gap on whatever is missing. Actually, head of the, the COVID czar, as she might be called, you know, she actually just stepped down as well. So uh, it's officially closed. Oh, wow. Okay, not that you'll make much difference of finding a seat over to the uh, to the U.S. right, and it's all quite busy and sold out. Very busy. <laughs> The next story is um, fitting in with uh, Mohit's uh, open season on NDC announcements. And this was British Airways announcing an NDC distribution agreement with Amadeus. I I couldn't quite figure out if it's the first time or if it's just an upgrade of what they have been doing. And you might want to help me out there. But one of the weirdest things in there was the mention of a small fee per segment. So what's going on here, Anne? I actually thought there were many things in there in that article that were very weird. I mean, first of all, what is a passenger segment journey? I wish they could have defined that. And another thing that was very peculiar as well, they said that they currently offer baggage and seating. And you sort of go, well, haven't they done that for a very long time? <laughs> and and then, then, then there were paid meals. And I sort of thought, well, that must be available in the GDS or am I just, you know, not getting this? And then they they talk about an extended selection of ancillary products, but they fail to mention what those are. 
So so that was very bizarre to me. But yes, there is a fee. And that that was also very vague. So and and that's actually a question I thought maybe you can help me with, because is this a fee that, well, I guess that the passenger will eventually pay this fee. But this this is a fee for the travel agent to pay to BA, to Amadeus? That's my understanding. But now we are dealing with a a huge minimum marketable product that's probably (laughs) not (laughs) saleable, right? Yeah, that's my understanding as well, that there's a fee payable to use that. So this is leaning towards the model that uh, Ash is telling us that we should be moving to. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's happening, (laughs) finally. I've only been saying it for many, many, many years. By the way, as uh, as Mohit said last week, it's like almost anybody wants to talk about, you know, they're going to get up on the NDC stage and just declare that they're there. This is probably one of those scenarios. And I think this passenger segment journey end is probably the complete end-to-end, well, regardless of how many connections you have. That is a big assumption. It's a big assumption, Ash, and that's actually one. Yes, of no, no. I'm just, I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. trying to decipher the code in in this uh, article. You know, I, I find it so strange that they never clarify the stuff in in articles. Never. You sort of, never. you know, they never do. They're sort of, you know, oh, yeah. here is another expression that we just use, right? And 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 it's never defined or clarified. What do we mean by a passenger segment journey? Is that yeah. all segments on the journey, or? I think I know what happened here. Air France, Kayla made some announcement last week the british airways marketing person said oh crap we got to get in the news so they went and asked five executives they each sent her a paragraph or him a paragraph and then they stuck it together and put it out and they tried to hurry to finish it up because you know monday's a holiday so they got to get it out lots of questions there let's see what happens Our next one came from Skift. Uh, Jay Shabat did a good uh, analysis there of the Lufthansa group, not just Lufthansa, the airline, but the group and all their results, showing very much that um, it wasn't necessarily Lufthansa which helped, uh, but it was more so all the other brands, uh, and including Cargo as well as Eurowings and those kind of things. So uh, interesting results there. Um, and did you get a chance to look at that? Um, I did. I was actually quite shocked. I was truly shocked by Eurowings. I'm not so shocked by um, Austrian and and SN Brussels because, you know, I feel really sorry for SN Brussels. Have they ever had a a good result before prior to that, Sabina? I mean, were they ever profitable? I don't think so. And and it's really bad being like I've said before, you know, you're you're the capital of Europe. You you are in the best location. And it's it's very – but I was really shocked by Eurowings. Yes. Extremely. Yeah. Yes. So for those in the audience, if you haven't read it, uh, try and find it. It's J-J-A-Y Shabbat from Skift. He did a nice little summary there. I loved his comment where he says, and oh, Lord, Eurowings, will that beast ever make money? So mm. uh, very honest uh, assessment there of it. But yeah, quite, quite shocking. Of course, Swiss was doing all the heavy lifting there. Ash, any comments on those yeah. results? I don't know how they manage all this craziness, Lufthansa Group. I mean, they must be so swamped in multiple P&Ls and different brands that they have to market. I mean, the list just kind of goes on. I think it's time to simplify. Don't fear, Ash. Eight versions of business class is coming your way. So it's going to be very simple. they just like the complication that's probably it they just like it it gives a lot of people purpose it gives you space to hide numbers Our next story, again, relating to NDC and specifically American Airlines. It's just interesting to me that 
um, TMCs commenting on that position keeps hitting the news headlines. And this time from somebody fairly senior from the CWT CEO, Patrick Anderson, he talked quite a bit about, you know, how the AA push of NDC is affecting them. But he didn't hold back really, but he didn't mention them by name. He just said, you know, a player pushing the market forwards. Uh, is it a good thing? And then he had some questions about it, etc. And he was suggesting that it's impacting the customer negatively. Ash, did you, did you pick up on that? And what do you think of it? Well, I basically think that the folks that have been behind on this process are going to make the comments that they're going to make, you know, and then the people who are advancing this process are going to talk about how amazing everything is. And it is also the third piece of this, uh, which is people that are just going to sit around and wait to see what happens next. So I think that CWT's stance in this is pretty obvious uh, that they would say that, that they've always been behind. They've been behind for a number of years now on a lot of different areas. Uh, some of those areas have come and gone and they haven't even made a single decision the whole time. So what I think what this new CEO is trying to do is trying to position CWT uh, where they are actually going to become a leader. But I think that they missed uh, the train on this uh, uh, distribution issue. Mohit, did you have a, a comment on this American Airlines CWT and the TMCs talking about it? Yeah, yeah. And just for the record, I am ex-CWT and, you know, personally met Mr. Anderson a lot of time. I think he's one of the sharpest person I've come across in the travel industry. So, you know, let's see how things move on. I think this article truly suggests the state of TMCs at the moment. I, I'm trying to say the bigger ones uh, because they've been moving very slow, you know, for a long time. A few things that really stood out for me uh, was blended travel. I thought that would be much higher number post the pandemic. But uh, what was said is it's around 6% only. I would have imagined a little more, maybe somewhere in double digits. Other bit being about, you know, meeting and events. So doing pretty well. I think as the world starting to come out of remote work, uh, getting everyone together is a key. And I would hope this continues to grow. And I think part of the issue there, uh, Mohit, I mean, you know, yes, you're right about the comments you just made. I think that part of the issue is that many of these TMCs have never consumerized the engine that runs for booking purposes, right? So while the airlines have the ability for a traveler to go in and book a leisure trip, these corporate booking tools, these antiquated systems that are in place in corporate travel management companies, they just have never evolved. And they still talk the language from 10, 15 years ago. Just shocking to a mm-hmm. to a new traveler that comes into the market today. So if you're under 30 and you're coming into, into a new company that you're working at and you're starting to book your business travel, you are shocked by the, by the lack of technology that's available in these and options that are available because it's just catered towards this thinking that, you know, travel policies need to be where we start to manage rogue travel and other things like that so they're so old-fashioned uh, they'll never succeed in this new climate strong statements there Ash. i agree uh, we can see it absolutely um, i i totally agree couldn't have said it any better i mean Ash, that is just like spot on because they don't they can't measure it they don't know you know hasn't like you said it hasn't been activated they it's not part of of the way they think it's um so of course blended travel must be much higher yeah they just can't measure it <laughs> I think I saw two posts by Shasha um, yep. that caught uh, caught my interest. I mean, Air France leading Twitter. Oh, that's pretty yes. interesting. I, I haven't left Twitter myself yet. I must confess the secret that Stormy Daniels is so much fun to follow. So I, I, I hesitate when it comes to leaving Twitter because she brightens up my day. She is hilarious. But also, I wonder what kind of platforms we will be involving because Twitter has been my most powerful tool when it's been raising something or addressing something real time. I, I was going to say complain, but that's not really what I mean. It's really get the attention of the airline in real 
more time, and Twitter has been quite effective. I don't think any of us is paying attention. Obviously, you've mentioned that Stormy Daniels comment. We just, we still. <laughs> Can you can you say that whole thing again, Anne? We just we lost. <laughs> you lost me about Stormy Daniels. She's so funny. She's the reason why I haven't left Twitter. You 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 don't follow her on Twitter. You should. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I crack up every. Yeah. Yes. Just for those who don't uh, yeah. know the story behind the story, there is that Twitter has applied quite a hefty fee for corporations yes. to allow interactions with people via Twitter, and they're comparing it to businesses paying fairly big sums of money for other customer channel management solutions, which is mm. which is a fair comment, you know. But it doesn't change the fact that everyone's then said, "Fine, we're not going to, you know, support this platform any longer." And they're mm. definitely not mm. the only ones. So, um, yeah, very very interesting. Uh, Changed. It is very interesting, yeah. Uh, another story that was actually even more interesting um, that was that was also from Shashank and that was BA, and that they've added on their app they've actually added passenger rights, and this I thought was fantastic. I'm not so impressed with their um, NDC stuff, but I am, uh, well, I'm sort of semi-impressed, you know, um, don't get me wrong, but I'm really impressed by this move. Uh, In case of a delay, they will inform you of your rights. And that I think is fantastic. I don't think it's just a case of somebody accidentally copying that in there and forgetting it's there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, now. Some sort of intern who prepared that app and went, oh, this, this should probably be on there. And now they see it. Now they realize I'm being quite negative there. No, that is very good of them to do that. I agree. You know, display yeah. your rights uh, and, up and, front. And, and this is what we need. We need more transparency. Mm. And, of course, we need access. You know, it's just fantastic to to get all that. that inf- and, and the more proactive we can be in case of, of IROPs and uh, delays, yeah. et cetera, the better. And then actually there was a third story that caught my eye. And, and I know, Rianne, that you're going to find this really interesting. It was a post by A.T. Pico. It was David Smith at A.T. Pico who posted yeah. the status of the workshop, A.T. Pico design team for dynamic offers. I was really stunned when they said that 80% of all offers are going to be dynamic by the year 2026 in direct and indirect channels. That's two and a half years from now. But don't you don't you think the catch is in the word offer? I read that as well, and I'm wondering whether they're getting away with the fact that you know that doesn't necessarily mean all pricing. And then what does it mean? Don't we have a definition of what is offer in order management, right? Yes. You know, we have the offer. That's right. right. But you're absolutely and, and, right. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy aspiration to have. Let's put it that way. And I agree. I, I mean, you know, let's be frank. Mo- most of the players in the industry can't get the offer right today. Yep. So that leaves two and a half years, and to actually not only getting offers out there, but also dynamic offers. Yep. Wow. I, I thought, ooh, that is really ambitious. So yeah, they, that that caught my attention. This has to do with American Airlines uh, banning ferry shopping. So effective June 1st of this year, American Airlines will prohibit uh, travel management companies and travel agencies from making use of automated reshopping technology. So you think about companies like the old Yapta, TripAm, or even American Express's own products that they have, uh, American Express GBT. Of course, all the CWTs and these folks all have this. This has been a major value add that TMCs have provided their corporate clients in the last, I would say, seven, 10 years. 
those that did it really well were able to engage clients at a totally different level that those who did not have these services were able to do that. So uh, now American Airlines has come around and said, hey, wait a minute, uh, you're decreasing our product value and therefore we're going to stop this. So they've banned this completely, effective June 1st, amended their policy with all their travel management companies and said that if you do this and we bust you, uh, subject to losing your ability to issue tickets on American Airlines. Absolutely fascinating. Now, I know I've been commenting a little bit internally with you on this because it's hard to imagine how they will enforce that. I can imagine these automated tools, like you pointed out, will use a specific sign-on. So that's that's manageable. But um, I mean, does it still allow a consultant to rebook and reprice their itinerary? They must do, right? They can't just say, well, you, you've booked it now, now you have to live with it. I mean, if you think about it, right, the value that the traveler gets from this process is very simple, a lower fare, right? So American, of course, looks at that as a negative from their perspective. But, you know, the, the airlines have always had the power of debit memos. And then the TMC and the agency has to fight that process. And that costs a lot of money, right? So and the savings from all this, by the way, is about 3% to 6%. So the loser in all of this is the corporation that had the ability to save money. But now because of this, TMCs will say, hey, wait a minute, I can't do anything for you on this topic because America banned us. So we can't. So they'll just stop doing it. So, Anne, is this is this an example of over-exerting control or is it fair enough, fair game? Oh, I just find all of this so very, very strange. You really should change the processes in that case. Then you should say, once you've booked, you, you cannot change. We have these albeit very archaic processes because you know you know how I don't believe in exchanging tickets. I, I would like to see that modernized and but that's a whole different story for another day, right? At the same time we're seeing companies, I mean it's been both uh, Google and 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 who else has been announcing automation in the Ferris monitoring and we have products that are out there. Again, the OTAs who are drivers, I think, of innovation, same as the low-cost airlines, saying that this is another service that we provide for you. Yeah, interesting, interesting moves um, there by them. And I have to say, I, I agree with you there. And it's, it's a very strange thing. So, I mean, I, I, I do feel for them if they have excessive hits on a certain process that's costing them oh, yeah. enough, then, you know, yeah. apply that. Yeah. Well, thank you to you both and to Mahit for joining us today. And for those in the audience giving us your time today, we really thank you. We do this weekly. So from my side, uh, looking forward to see you again next week. Big thanks to everybody listening in today. Thank you. Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn call every week on Monday, and it's all about linking the travel industry. Please share this event with everybody that you know. Chances are that if you enjoyed today's session, others that you know will as well. If you cannot make it because of time zone availability, the session is available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. 